This is Wayne Goldsmith, and welcome to Sports Thoughts. I've spent 25 years traveling the world, working with some of the world's best athletes, coaches, and teams, trying to discover what it is that they do, how they think, and what it takes to be the best in sport. Subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com to keep up to date with my thoughts on sport. Welcome to Wayne's World. It's Wayne's World with Wayne Goldsmith. Wayne Goldsmith is our Wednesday regular WG Coaching. WGCoaching.com is his website. Um, I was kind of hoping we might be able to avoid the subject of rugby this morning, but uh, you've managed to uh, you've managed to flick across a topic that takes in Bledisloe Cup Test 1. Wayne, good morning. Good morning, mate. How are you? I'm just in a shopping centre at the moment. We've got an overseas student with us, the guy from Switzerland at the moment, he's picked up a bit of a chest infection so I'm juggling kids medical activities this morning, but um, mate, always got time for you to talk rugby, but uh, it was interesting point, he was, he was watching it with me the other night, so he's from Switzerland, he's an exchange student, has never seen a game of rugby, and I thought how do I describe what's happening at the moment, because his first game he's seen is the Bledisloe Cup, and I said well where the we're the gold jerseys. The other team is probably the best team sport uh, group, the best team of football players of any code for the last 100 years. And we beat them about one in every 10 goes if we're lucky. And that's the way I described it at the beginning. So, yeah, so it was quite a funny night for him. Well, it was a great night for Australia, and in particular for James O'Connor. And I want to talk a bit about James O'Connor this morning. Uh, you sent me an article which I read with great interest, and one of the quotes in it was that he lost five years of his life. Now, this is down to his dalliances with alcohol, with drugs, with ill discipline. Um, to start with, Wayne, is this common that that uh, very, very talented people, maybe those who don't quite make it to the international level, can go off the rails uh, despite having talent that most of us would, would give our, our left leg for? Well, mate, I, I, I've got a little bit of a personal story with, with James O'Connor that uh, I've worked from time to time with a school here on the Gold Coast called the Southport School, who's very, very, uh, really outstanding school and very committed rugby school. And he was about 13, I think, when I first saw him. And I remember standing there with the director of sport saying it's like watching 20-year-olds, a uh, 20-year-old play with 13-year-olds. Uh, his, his vision, his uh, direct... I mean, he was yelling at the other kids and telling them where to run. He was telling them what lines to run, in addition to being the goal kicker and taking uh, penalty kicks and uh, setting up... I mean, he was just in light years ahead, not just physically. He wasn't the biggest kid. He was probably the smallest kid on the field. But his ability at that age was quite remarkable. He didn't last long at the school, not because he wasn't uh, a great student, but because the other schools could see his talent. And he started getting scouted by other schools in uh, rugby and rugby league competitions to try and give him better and better scholarship. And that goes on, as we know, everywhere. And all of a sudden, he's at 13, 14 years of age and, and he's being scouted by everyone and offered whatever he wants. And this is, you know, it comes back to this topic you and I have spoken about is that 
Then you're 13, 14 years of age, you start to believe your own publicity and that success is inevitable, that there becomes a sense of entitlement to greatness and you're getting there purely on talent and people are falling over themselves to give you and your parents basically whatever they want. Now, that starts 13, 14, 15 and it just keeps going and you get the same approach in... Uh, senior rugby and super rugby and on and on. All of a sudden, you've got someone in their early 20s who's got a lot of money, has never been told the word no, has been treated almost as a cross between a member of the royal family and the Rolling Stones. And like any human being, they're open to frailties and temptations and and challenges. And that was a great article about O'Connor. I think every parent who thinks they've got a precocious talent and thinks that because their daughter scores 200 netball goals a season or their 11-year-old son has just broken the the Otago 50-metre backstroke, I think they need to read that article and just realise the importance of developing them as human beings and building their character and their sense of values and their inter- and all those things we talk about, mate. And it, was a, it was a great, great article. I lost five years of my life by a, a guy who, you know, let's face it, he isn't 30 yet. What an incredible admission. Mm, indeed. It must be hard, though, for young children who, who you know, and, and we'll just talk about James O'Connor at 13. He, he's starting to become aware of himself. You know, he, he, he is clearly aware that he's the best player in his team. Um, it must be hard for these children, and that's all they really are still at 13, children, to, to not get a bit of a big head a bit of an ego. Is that where the parents and the coaches really have to step in? Because they are, as I mentioned, still just kids at that point. Yes, Pony. That session you and I did a few weeks ago in Wellington, and I, I said these words to the parents deliberately and repeatedly, don't worship physical talent, because a parent has got the parent and a coach has got a coach. And, you know, they're looking at that child. If they're looking at that child and seeing a try scorer and a playmaker, and a brilliant uh, inside back, they're looking at the wrong things. They should be looking at that child as, this is a young man who needs our support. This is a young man who needs our help to become all that he can be. This is a young man who needs our guidance and our leadership and our support and our nurturing so that he becomes the adult that we know he can be. If you're just looking and seeing a great player and you're seeing speed and talent, you're looking at the wrong things. That's for the other people on the sideline to look at and to come up to you after the game and say, wow, your son's a mate. That's for them. But as a parent, as a coach, you've got a parent and you've got a coach and you've got to think longer term, what sort of adult is this young man going to grow into unless we give him our leadership and our guidance, our love, and our support, and it's such an important lesson, mate. It's so critically important. The things which derailed James O'Connor, well, ego was probably one of them, ill-discipline another, but then, of course, drugs and alcohol, and, and these aren't uh, factors at 13. Well, you hope they're not anyway, but, but as, they, as they reach you know, uh, their late teens and into their 20s, you know, the time when they're supposed to be really hitting their sweet spot as far as their sport is concerned, uh, drugs and alcohol uh, can often play a part. Are there any, I don't know, uh, guaranteed ways to to ward off the, the the ill effects of things like this? Well, mate, it's a, that is a 
fan, that's a really fantastic question, Pony. I'd love to talk about that one for an hour. I mean, that's, that's Bruno. I think I've spoken several times about my wife, mainly because I'm afraid not to. But um, I know I've spoken about my wife several times. She was a former number one in the world swimmer, and she's a psychologist and works in the school system with teens, particularly teens that have uh, got issues and some of them with battles with drugs. And we talk about this a lot. And, you know, we keep coming back to two or three really simple things. One is self-esteem, self-belief. The way that they feel about themselves is, is very important. There's been a lot of data about this over the years, that the ability of uh, a teenager, the ability of someone who could maybe be tempted or influenced one way, the ability for them to say, no thanks, I don't take that stuff, or no thanks, I don't want to have a drink, quite often comes down to their ability to, to how they feel about themselves. They are comfortable with themselves, a strong sense of self-belief and strong sense of self-esteem. It's less likely that they're going to be pushed or forced or coerced or bullied or teased into trying substances because they're able to say, no, I'm not going to do that, and they don't care what other people think of their decision. So that self-esteem, self-belief, area so critically important as always education about the downside that you know their peers and, and teenagers generally say oh yeah it feels great to have a bit of this and pop a couple of those and drink a bit of that so they're all happy to share the upside but they need to be educated and they, they get that at school around the dangers the issues the problems with addiction and the downside the terrible downside to substance abuse uh, and both thirdly, again, parenting is for parents to be modelling the sensible and appropriate use of any sort of substances that the house finds appropriate, whether that be beer or alcohol or whatever might be legal uh, for parents to be doing, to be modelling the sort of behaviour that they want to see in their kids. But, you know, that self-esteem thing, mate, you know, the, you know mate, when we were growing up and, you know, one of our kids, our mates would say, mate, come on, get in the car. And you know they've had a couple of beers. And you know that they're going to be, as my dad used to say, complete lardheads when they get in the car. You know, the ability to say, no, mate, it's fine, I'll walk home. Or, no, mate, look, I'll ring my dad to come and get me. And then your mates will say, ah, oh, come on, get the car, come on. Do. Mate, the ability of a, a young man, young woman to be able to say, no, I'm not going to get in that car. No, I'm not going to try that substance. No, I'm not going to try that drug. And feel comfortable with it and not being pressured in. I think there's a lot of issues around self-esteem on it. I know the data supports that very strongly. The other thing that I've seen happen, not by not in my personal experience, obviously, but to young sports people as they're starting to to reach that elite level, is that there seem to be a lot more people hanging around them. Uh, people want to be associated with uh, you know with people who are famous and in all in all walks of life. Yeah, they hangers on, uh, and and I the thing I see a lot actually is is sports people who say, look, I've got friends who were my friends before I became a sports person at this level, and, and they treat me just the same as they always have. Um, not everybody, of course, has that. Has that. How do you weed out the hangers, uh, the leaners, from, from the lifters, <laughs> if you like? Well, mate, as a media superstar yourself, you're more than uh, aware of that, you know. <laughs> yes, I think you must have me confused with somebody else, but, but carry on. <laughs> Well, look, that, that is absolutely true that friends and family uh, are the great leveller and uh, the, the, to have somebody who will look at you in the, in the eyes, Piney, and say, you're being a complete peanut, why you do that's very undervalued most of the time. And 
And I was talking to someone, I was in, in uh, the UK recently, I was talking to a player agent, and he was, he was, we're just talking about things generally, and he said that, that the majority of player agents, for example, will only have one client. And I asked him the obvious question, why? And he said, because that's all we need. He said, because if I'm getting 20%, in some cases, if I'm getting 20% of 50 million um, player contract fees, if I'm getting 20% of that, I only need one. And my job, in his words, my job is to keep the player happy. Whatever they need, my job is to keep the player happy. Now, what sort of... I mean, I understand what he's saying, but what sort of chance do you have? You're 22, 23 years of age, and you've got someone whose job it is full-time to basically give you whatever you want whenever you want it. And in that environment where you're really being treated more like a rock star, trying to stay balanced and uh, even and live a life based on integrity and values is incredibly difficult. And it's only going to be your mum and dad or your brother or sister or your best mate who's going to say, mate, I don't care who you are, how much money you've got, you're still just piney and wake up for yourself, mate. And you've, yeah, you've got to have those people. You've really got to have solid, strong relationship. There was a great article, Pony Helen, my wife, sent to me the other day about families trying to build sustainable relationships with their kids, but particularly between siblings. So that even when mum and dad pass on, that the family has built relationships that withstand the test of time. So sisters and brothers supporting each other. And one of the things the article said, it was a great article, um, and I'm happy to send it to you and make it available. The article basically said that the, the reason it is important is that quite often in their life, the only people who will be honest and direct because of, of a genuine, unconditional sense of love will be their siblings. And that can never be uh, overstated how important it is throughout their lives. So if you've got three or four kids in the family, mums and dads listening this morning, Make sure you're building those great relationships between the kids because they're going to need that honesty and support as they get older. What a great piece of advice. And what about the rugby, Wayne? Did you think Saturday night was a fair reflection? I mean, should we be should we be wailing and gnashing our teeth over here about the potential loss of the Bledisloe Cup and a quarterfinal exit at the World Cup? But I, as an Australian, I'd like to say to you... Um, and in response to my friends at New Zealand Rugby Union there at, at, at Rugby House in Wellington who keep telling me that the Bledisloe's actually bolted uh, into the trophy cabinet because there's no reason for it not to be, which is always a bit of a laugh they have at my expense whenever I'm there, which is, which is, which is pretty accurate. But I think um, I wouldn't be too worried. And as, I, as I'm very comfortable saying, mate, the, the track record of your coaches and your leadership is... Very solid heads, great experience. So I think they're always in it for the long game. I'd, I know there must have been some gnashing of teeth and would have been some interesting talk back on Monday morning for you, mate. It would have been pretty fiery about a whole range of issues. But I, I, I think the thing with the Wallabies is they're, they're a little bit, I dare I say, a bit like France. I think that there's enough talent and enough capability to pop up from time to time and do something like that. But I don't know they've got the depth and the stability and the, the culture to sustain that over a long period of time. You know, even teams like Scotland, I think, are the same. They're capable of a knockout punch, but they, they just don't have that entire 
culture and support and strategic uh, basis to what they do as strong as what you guys have. So, look, I think things will probably be a lot more even uh, this week uh, coming up. I'm really interested in the results in in UK at the moment. I'm not taking them too seriously, but you know, the, the, there was times the other night when England were particularly around their set piece and their scrum. And I think Eddie Jones even said the other night, he said, if I could give a, a player of the match award tonight, it would be to the English scrum. And yeah, I mean, they, they did some things the other night. There was some stability and certainty in their set piece work the other night, which was very, very impressive. And um, you know, they're, they're using that, those games to get in place a, a real base, a real strong base of, of uh, control around the ruck and control of possession that I think everybody should be a bit concerned about. Mm, interesting times. Wayne, great chat as always. I've had quite a few people wanting to know about the article that your, uh, your wife sent you regarding the siblings, etc. I wonder if you can maybe send that to us or, or uh, alert Sam as to where to find it and we can uh, post it for our audience. But as always, mate, uh, great to chat and we'll do it again next week. Always look forward to it, mate. Have a good week. Enjoy the game on Saturday night. It's going to be an absolute pearler, I'm sure. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more sports thoughts, subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com.